Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Real Story Podcast after a week off. For those of you who do listen to this show, on the last podcast, I shared some unfortunate news that my lovely writing studio that is my most sacred space in the world had a fire and burned. This happened on January 1st. I was, and still am, (laughs) pretty sad to say the least. Um, It's in a total disarray right now um, as we try to figure out what to do, how to rebuild, if I even want to rebuild, and if I do, what it will become. But I had a Vipassana silent retreat booked Um, a three-day silent retreat booked for January 6th through the 8th. And this, again, was coming off the heels of such a, to me, what felt like a real tragedy. So I went into it really ready to drop into silence, but also pretty sad, if I'm being honest. Um, I didn't really know what to expect. And I can safely say that gift of silence was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. So normal Vipassana retreats are 10 days. And from all the research I've done, there's a lot of suffering involved. You have to eat a very strict vegan diet, which I no longer eat plant-based. I'm kind of the opposite, actually. Um, You cannot eat past 11 a.m. for 10 days. You're kind of sleeping on a cot with a bunch of other people. Um, you are not allowed to exercise. You are in meditation 10 to 12 hours a day, wake up calls at 4am. So there's just a lot that goes into it that I wasn't sure, never having done it before, that that would be the right thing for me, especially coming off of a six week healing journey um, with the one and only Emily Rosalski. Um, I was feeling pretty raw and pretty fragile going into this. So I thought a three-day container would be perfect for me. And boy, was it ever. So um, a lot of these retreats are overseas. And at the, at the beginning of the year, it's hard to take you know that much time off. So I found one that was four and a half hours away from Nashville in a gorgeous place called Saute Nakuchi, which is... Um, based on actually two Native Americans, um, their their story is really interesting. There was a little plaque in the, in the house that I stayed in. But I drove up on a Thursday night to um, a sister town called Helen, Georgia, stayed in a lovely place um, on the top of a mountain, and just really tried to prepare myself for what was to come. You know, leading into it, the longest I've ever meditated might be an hour. And we were going to be in meditation for upwards of almost eight hours a day. So I was, I did not know what to expect. I've also never been silent. (laughs) Um, I mean, I talk for a living. So 
I was really nervous about that, but I showed up at the retreat house on Friday morning. Um, it was called the Eloe Retreat Center. Gorgeous, gorgeous house. And it was me and um, nine other people, not including uh, the, our lovely Buddhist monk, um, Tenzin, who was our facilitator. But we actually got to talk when we arrived. So um, I connected immediately with someone named Amanda. We, I mean, it was just one of those like fast friends thing. Everyone was so amazing. But then we, once we all got settled in, we were shown our rooms, we dropped in to utter and complete silence. And this was the easiest thing in the world for me to do. I could not believe how much I loved not talking, how much I loved the silence, how much I loved the art of listening, both to myself and to this monk who literally loves talking. than anyone I've ever met. And ironically, so we we all left our phones in the car, no technology of any sort, which uh, again, those who listen to this podcast know that I really not blame technology. I don't mean to vilify it, but none of us really have a healthy relationship with it. So to be able to leave it and not worry about it and know that no one can contact me unless there's an emergency, that in and of itself allowed all of us to just be free and to be silent and to really focus inward. So we went into our first 90-minute meditation container. Um, Each meditation session was 90 minutes, followed by a 30-minute break. Then we would have like, you know, breakfast or lunch and free time. And then we would drop into another 90-minute container and then another 90-minute container. So my bedroom, I chose the only bedroom that had, um, I think it was the primary really on the second floor, but this gorgeous bedroom, um, big soaking tub, giant shower. I didn't have to share a room or a bathroom because I'm 41 and I just can't do that. (laughs) But I realized I was like, oh no, I forgot my noise machine. I always sleep with uh, white noise. And luckily right outside my window was a gorgeous waterfall. So I, the air was so crisp and cold and I opened my windows and that was my noise machine. But the only, I will say the only downside, um, there were people, three people staying above me and the house was so old that when anyone would take a step, it would sound like someone was crashing through my ceiling. So I did not get great sleep, which is a bummer because our nervous systems after, you know, six and a half, seven, eight hours of meditation a day, our nervous systems were so calm. Our circadian rhythms were reset that I would have slept harder than I ever have in my entire life. There was one guy who was just, again, above me, like up the entire night, dropping his suitcase, you know, and I was trying to be compassionate, (laughs) but I just um, would have loved to have seen how well I would have slept otherwise. But Dropping in, so we learned, you know, all about Vipassana meditation. And as he was talking, you know, there's no writing, no reading. Um, There were no clocks in the whole house, which for a time-obsessed society, this was so lovely. Um, uh, He would strike a gong when it was time to eat, when it was time to meditate. We had our wake-up call at um, 5.30 in the morning, which is 4.30 a.m. my time. And we would have a couple of hours. I would 
wake up feeling actually amazingly refreshed, even not having had a great night's sleep. I would do yoga, some stretches and movements. I would make my fussy Chemex coffee. I brought my electric tea kettle <laughs> and did all of that. And um, then we would drop into meditation. But the thing I loved about this, again, um, just with the 10 of us, is being able to meditate sit there and then on the breaks, do whatever you want. You don't have to tell your story to anyone. It doesn't matter what you look like. Um, so for me, when I wasn't meditating or resting, um, there were miles and miles of forest trails just right outside the house. And I would just get lost and wander and think and just be with myself. And, you know, in my environment at home, because I've meditated every day since I've been back, and what I have realized, and one of my biggest takeaways from this silent retreat, is that we have trained our minds to be busy. We have trained our minds to be unfocused. We have trained our minds to be distracted. And a focused mind is a free mind, is peace of mind. And what I learned in this retreat as well is that nothing, no stressor, no financial worry, no client issue is worth my peace of mind. If you have peace of mind, you have everything. And I realized very quickly that my baseline is stress. It is go, go, go. It is get shit done. It is, you know, always a million things going on. Even when I have tried to slow things down, instead... I want and need my baseline to be peace of mind, to be calm, to be to be centered, to be quiet. And he really talked, um, Tenzin really talked a lot about how everything in our life, every feeling, joy, grief, um, pleasure, sorrow, it's all impermanent, that we do not die. We are not born. We are continuous. And of course, in the in the Buddhist culture, you know, there are different beliefs, which I love. It is uh, Buddhism has always resonated so profoundly with me and just the way that they look at life. And, you know, all of our suffering comes from grasping. And for me to sit there and not have to worry about client calls or emails or taxes or <laughs> text messages or re re being reactive and responsive, I was able to experience gaps in thought, which I've never had before. My mind was peaceful. Um, and I really finally like became a witness to my thoughts just rushing by like that waterfall. Everything is impermanent. If I'm sad, I will not feel sad forever. If I'm happy, I won't feel happy forever. And really realizing that I project so much onto the future and or think about the past and instead of just being here and realizing that this moment is gone and this moment is gone and this moment is gone and it's all so fluid and the suffering you know again I'm not a materialistic person but I was just mourning my space my studio and what I've been able to create in there. And I experienced during the retreat, a, a real letting go and being grateful for all the time that I did have in there, but that is gone now. And I could choose to be sad. I'm not going to be sad forever, but I really worked through that sadness, just being able to sit there. Um, one of the most interesting things about it was 
I mean, it was a vegan, a completely vegan menu, which again, super tough. It was lots of like fake eggs and fake sausage and fake, 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 which I, I don't eat. Um, so that was a real challenge, but we had three meals a day and we had to sit at a dining room table together, not talking. It felt like an awkward family dinner, but it allowed you to focus on your food and to, to, to move slowly. And it made me realize how rushed I am in my daily life. I do everything fast. I eat fast. I move fast. I think fast. And it it was nice to try to just bear witness to how fast I do move and in what a hurry I am, even when there's nowhere to go and nowhere to be. So I really tried to slow myself down and really wonder and ask myself, like, what are you rushing toward? Um, especially when time's not involved. I didn't know what time it was. Um, you know, there was a schedule that we had that they had out, which was nice. And then we got to write a single question down um, that Tenzin would answer every night from eight to nine. We would have discourse. We were not talking, but he was. And it was just really lovely. Um, one thing I did notice as well is that we also do not sit still. Um, everybody, I think the hardest part for everybody was sitting in cross-legged position for that much time. Everyone would, you know, shift or be uncomfortable or go to the bathroom. And I realized that there will be no perfect meditation space and that there will always be distractions. So I get to, I get to dictate what I'm feeling, if I'm, if I'm paying attention, if I'm annoyed <laughs> and just let it kind of pass through, pass through like that waterfall. That's kind of what I imagined my thoughts to be. And it was such an amazing experiment in finding peace of mind. Where does your peace of mind live? Um, I had a lot of just epiphanies throughout that container in that being surrounded by nature. So waking up and looking at that waterfall and smelling the fresh mountain air and being able to hike every day and, you know, preferably eat super fresh food. Um, one of the most amazing things happened in that, first of all, I felt like my skin just from that air and breathing so low and slow. So you're basically doing resonance breathing you become a witness to the breath. So I would breathe in slowly and, and through my nose for five and out through my nose for five and do that, you know, for, if you do 50 slow breaths, that's usually equivalent to 10 minutes. So we were, you know, meditating for 90 minutes uh, at a time. I got up to 350 breaths that I actually counted but that's one way to pay attention is you you become a witness to your breath. So you can either count your breath, you can say welcome to yourself on the inhale, goodbye on the exhale. You can say to yourself peace on the inhale, happiness on the exhale, and just again become a witness and an observer. But what happened that was so amazing is, you know, I have horrible vision. Um, I've had what... Um, what are called floaters my whole life. So they look like little spider legs, especially if I look into the light, they, these like black little spider legs that, that just drift across my vision. And my vision radically improved during those three days because I wasn't staring at a screen. I had the sunlight and the moonlight and 
had my eyes closed, they were able to rest. The whites of my eyes got really white. I had not a single floater. They disappeared for the first time in my life. My vision felt better. I could see better without my glasses or contacts. It was unbelievable. And, you know, by so bedtime was nine o'clock their time. So 8 p.m. my time, which I would never go to bed that early. And because, you know, normally I would read and, you know, all this stuff. So I would make tea and get in bed and then just go to sleep. And like, like I said before, I was jolted constantly out of sleep, but I was just boom, ready to drop in, ready to go to sleep because it was just, I had, I had calmed my nervous system and not experienced stress. I was eradicating stress from my body. And I don't think most of us realize how much stress we have on a daily basis, even the tiniest things. Every time you respond to a text message, it's stress. Every time you do any, you know, you're responding and on call and reactive, that is stress to your body. Every time you are talking, you are leaching electrolytes from your system. You are dehydrating yourself. And we don't think about these things. So to not talk, to rest the voice, to breathe in and out of the nose, it was absolutely unreal. Um, The last thing I'll say on a takeaway, which really resonated with me as well, is Tenzin was talking about everything that we take in and store into our consciousness. So every movie or TV show you've ever watched, every Instagram story or TikTok or YouTube video, you store that into your ground consciousness. And he just asked a simple question is, what do you want to store into your consciousness? What do you want to fill your brain with? And I think for so many of us, we just fill our our mental space with junk, with things, these little dopamine hits. We're trying to make ourselves feel better, but we're really taking, we're stealing attention from our real lives and our real feelings. How do we feel? How do we feel? How do we feel? We don't drop into that on a daily basis. We don't think about what we need. We don't listen to our bodies. And this was such a practice and really coming home, just coming home to yourself. Um, At the very, very end, so it was three full days. We did not get done until Sunday night. You know, we had a QA and a and he was like, okay, you can talk now. And everybody looked at each other and they were like, no, I don't want to talk. No one wanted to talk. Everyone experienced insane anxiety about turning their phones back on, about all the text messages and all the, you know, just all the things we'd have to respond to. And one thing I realized is, you know, I told people I was going on this, uh, told my clients, and yet, and yet people are like, I know you're on your retreat, but, you know, and, and emailing and texting and that is fine. I am not blaming anyone. I love hearing from people. However, it is impossible to erect boundaries these days without just moving off the grid or getting rid of your smartphone or ditching social media. It's one or the other. I want to find a way to exist in modern society, but still have my peace of mind. And for me, I I have not figured out how to have a healthy relationship to email, to text messages, to social media, um, to expectation, the expectation of responding. I haven't figured it out yet. And I really, really want to. But I was talking to my friend Nikki, who 
She was on our podcast for human design. She has really decided to go all in and build her yoga, um, her human design and yoga practice, but she is actively growing her Instagram and having such a fun time doing it. And it's working. She like made the decision and she's freaking blowing up. It's amazing. But I was talking to her and I was like, I have never felt that urge. And as in my human design, I'm a manifester. My whole job is to follow my urges. So when I don't have the urge to do something and yet I still have to do it, like, nope, you have to be on social media because you're an author. You have to do this. It feels like someone's thumb is over me and they're telling me what to do. And that's been the disconnect for me because I tend to skew way toward, more toward a simple, grounded, honestly, monk-like uh, monk -like life, say that three times fast, because it feels right to me. Feeling peaceful, feeling calm, not being as reachable, not being on call, not being responsive, but spending time in your real life, spending time with your friends and family, the people who are in your real life, not your, your digital life, just feels better. I'm not saying I don't love the people I've met in my digital life and, and don't really appreciate it, but it all at some point becomes so hard to manage. And when we all turned our phones back on and we all, you know, <laughs> got back to it, I mean, the stress was like, boom, instant. Having to, I had one of the most treacherous drives, though it was absolutely gorgeous. It was two and a half hours up and down and around this mountain. It was raining, you know, my, my directions, my internet kept going out on, on my phone and I didn't know where to go. And like to drop right back into that stress response when we left this just like, feeling so peaceful and like we could conquer the world. You know, I made all these rules like I'm only going to check my phone once a day and only going to check my email once a day and I'm going to live in silence. And, you know, I drove the whole four and a half hours back in silence. I did not listen to music. I breathed. And then the moment I got home and went to meditate that next morning, my mind was so busy again. And it really made me realize when we, when we return to the same environment, it's so hard to have a different outcome, right? Um, Emily says what I did going to this retreat is what's called a pattern upset, which is perfect. It's what we need where we disrupt the pattern of our normal everyday environment so we can choose different choices, so we can feel different, so we can act differently. And this three-day reprieve was such a reminder of uh, our natural, natural, peaceful state. We are sup we're supposed to have a peace of mind. We're supposed to feel peaceful. We're supposed to feel free. And what we create for ourselves is just busyness. Our minds are busy and distracted. So that is all to say, this was such an incredible experience. It reminded me of who I am. And that, that's the other thing. I did not feel lonely. I, I did not miss home. Um, I felt at home. This felt like it didn't feel foreign. It felt like a remembering of who I really am. 
So I will say, if you ever get an opportunity to drop into silence, actually, Alex and I, we're going to be doing, um, I want to create like a three-day or a five-day Vipassana container where there's no suffering involved. (laughs) You have really great food, really great accommodations. Um, You can journal if you want to. You can go on a hike. You can do yoga, um, movement, breath work. We're going to be putting together something for people who really want to come home to themselves and and be quiet and see what what exists in there when you give yourself time to think. Okay, guys, love to know what you think of this. Have you ever done a silent retreat? You can email us at podcast at rightwayco.com or as always, you can email me directly, ria at rightwayco.com. Until next time, guys, thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.